Welcome to Episode 1D of Cool Clear Water, the inaugural eight-episode series of the 40-Day Hero's Journey podcast, the podcast of original stories where fictional characters find themselves in life situations, and we explore how average folks can be heroes just like in Hollywood films. My name is Richard Leipold Schneider, and I create these stories following the steps of my book, The 40-Day Hero's Journey. My goal is to show how being a hero isn't reserved for a select few. On the contrary, being a hero is possible for everyone. But enough about me. Let's move on to Episode 1D, Procedures, Alex. When we left our team of water quality specialists, they had just arrived at a gold mine to survey as the potential source of the arsenic contamination. Upon arriving, Max caught the scent of either cyanide or sulfuric acid. His training as a chemical detection dog is to point when he discovers these chemicals since they can lead the team to other harmful substances. Alex walks to Max, ignoring the mine owner. What did you find, Max? She asks as she gives him a good scratch behind the ear as a reward. Looking into the direction Max is pointing, Alex takes note of landmarks, so she and her team have a starting point for the preliminary site inspection. Alex wants to dive into the investigation of what Max is pointing at. She knows there is a consent form the mine owner will need to sign. Mateo and Tingyu had Bruce at Winnemucca Farm sign one when they made initial contact. She excuses herself to the mine owner, calls Max to follow, and goes back into Moby to get the form. Max picking up a scent so quickly changes everything. The plan was to buy time with the mine owner with a simple, official-sounding statement as she made to Bruce at Winnemucca Farms. Alex grabs a handheld device and scrolls through it until finding the Consent for Access to Property form. She will present it to the mine owner. If he signs it, they will be able to start immediately. If not, there will be an entirely different process. Alex skims over the section of the manual that details this process. With the knowledge from the manual, Alex climbs out of Moby and approaches the mine owner, introducing herself and showing ID, explaining that she is a contractor acting as EPA's authorized representative. Her approach to the mine owner is notably different than her conversation at Winnemucca Farms. She explains that they are requesting entry to the mining operation property to conduct a preliminary site investigation based on evidence that there may be a hazardous chemical spill or leak. I know my rights, the mine owner replies. You're going to need a warrant. Alex knows from her reading just a few minutes ago that she must ask for the grounds for denial, and she does so. There is nothing wrong with our operation here, and absolutely nothing that you can use as evidence of a hazardous chemical spill or leak. Just a dog, sniffing out a rabbit or a, a flock of quails. At this point, her knowledge of the procedures runs out. After all, she only skimmed a brief section a minute ago. 
EPA has significant power within the CERCLA Superfund, the Superfund Amendments and Reauthorization Act of 1986, or SARA, and CEPEDA to force access. Unfortunately, she doesn't know the procedures like John does. She is worried she will lose credibility if she tries to fake it. She will appear like a fake if she gets the manual, searches for the topic, and reads it to him. Best to retreat and regroup. She has the mine owner fill in the form with his name, the mine name, address of the property, a brief statement of his denial of access, sign, and date. He completes the form and hands it back to her. Alex takes a moment to scan the document and sees that the mine owner's name is Harlan Jones, and this is the Hot Springs Peak Mine. Everything seems in order, so Alex and the team get in Moby to head back to the RV park cabin. The team arrives at the cabin, and Mateo orders dinner for delivery from Chihuahua's Grill and Cantina. Tacos sound good to all of them. Alex feeds Max. As each of them brings the tools of their trade to the dining table, it becomes more and more a makeshift command and control table. Laptop computers for test results, mapping, and drone photograph compilations spread out in three distinct work areas. Once ready, it is time to lay the plan to investigate the property of the mine owner. These three are adept at this part of the investigation, and there is no hesitation in getting started. Mateo removes an SD drive from the drone and plugs it into his computer. Tingyu is already logged into FAST and is loading in the map of the area. Alex is compiling all of the test results they have collected thus far. Their work aims to package the evidence and send it with the facts of the denial of consent to the H2OQ main office in San Francisco. The main office will then, in turn, contact EPA Region 9 office, also in San Francisco, to consult regional council. Time flies by quickly, and Alex switches to the handheld device containing the H2OQ manual and is reading aloud. If, after consultation with regional council, a decision is made to seek a warrant, the regional council will contact directly the Environment Enforcement Section in the Land and Natural Resources Division at the Department of Justice. The Assistant Chief will, blah, blah, in a timely manner, blah, 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 by an Environment Enforcement Section attorney or a U.S. attorney. Alex looks up from the device. This goes on and on for pages. Scanning further, as we already know, we need to provide a clear ID of the name and location and owner of the site. Check, she says, holding up the signed denial of entry. Then, continuing to read, a statement explaining the grounds for a finding of a reasonable basis for entry and the purpose of entry. Ting Yu raises her hand and says, I have everything except your statement about Max's chemical detection. Alex acknowledges her and says that's the next thing on the list. Reading again, affidavits supporting the asserted reasonable etc. etc. so on and so forth. And then we need the specific description of the extent, nature, and timing of the inspection. Mateo jumps from his chair to answer the door that is most certainly dinner. 
It's about time. I'm starving. Ting Yu and Alex continue to work while Mateo gets the food and spreads it out on the kitchen counter for everyone to help themselves. Ting Yu looks up and, realizing how much food is there, says, Were you expecting all of Region 9 to be here for dinner? Mateo deflects her comment. Come on, there isn't that much. Alex could join the playful ribbing of Mateo, but she has never been one to joke around. So instead, she gets up from the table to get a taco or two and starts listing aloud what they can do to prepare before gaining access to the mine property. Ting Yu will do as much with the FAST app as she can to model groundwater flow for the area north of Winnemucca, known as Paradise Valley. Mateo will process the drone images from the partial survey. Alex will prep test kits, but first she will contact H2OQ main office and get this enormous ball rolling. Contact with the main office goes better than Alex expected. She sends them the data and statements the team collected. They tell her they will submit everything to EPA Region 9 office. They also tell her that she should be ready to contact the Winnemucca Mayoral Office and Police Department and Humboldt County Sheriff's Office when the warrant is received. In addition, the DOJ may call in the U.S. Marshals out of Reno to serve the warrant. Keeping in mind that it is Friday evening, they suggest that it may take until Monday to get the warrant. Alex's conclusion? Deciding to herself. She will wait until then to contact the locals, and in the meantime, they can do more work with the Cepeda test points they have access to, maybe even a little downtime to prepare for next week. As Alex relates the phone call to the team, she gets another call. The vet is calling to confirm that arsenic was the chemical she found in the coyote's stomach contents. She can't be 100% sure, but it was probably not in something the coyote ate, so most likely water conveyed poisoning. There have been instances where someone laced a cow or goat carcass with a pesticide to eliminate vermin, even though it violates federal law. This incident doesn't appear to be that. The vet thanks Alex for caring enough to ensure that the game warden didn't just shoot the coyote, adding, Coyotes don't have many people around here standing up for them. Thank you. Alex ends that call wondering how people can be so ignorant to the rights of all living creatures. In contrast, she seeks out Max and makes sure he knows how much she cares about him and how important he is to her. Alex decides to create the search grid for her and Max to start when they gain access. She takes the computer loaded with the mapping app, sits on the couch, and calls Max to lie next to her. He is happy to hop up and curl next to her. Okay, buddy, how should we do this search? She asks him with a scratch under his ear and chin. He reacts with a shake of his head and a scratch from his back paw. We will start where you got the sniff, right about here. Then we apply the grid pattern and let the app assign the search order. The app engages when she hits the return key and instantly does its magic, assigning numbers based on location and terrain to the quadrants. It finishes the entire property in less than five minutes. That's enough work for tonight. 
Mateo and Tingyu may get a drink at a local establishment, but Alex is exhausted after a long day. So she goes to bed with Max joining her. Both fall asleep instantly. Alex wakes to her cell phone ringing the following day. But where is it? She must have left it near the couch when she went to bed, and the search for it ends after it stops ringing. It immediately starts ringing again as she picks it up and answers it. Greta Nolan from the H2OQ main office has some good and bad news. EPA decided the evidence isn't clear enough to get a court order, so instead they've issued an administrative order. An administrative order doesn't carry the total weight of the federal courts. However, it still has the significant power of EPA. Instead of a warrant, the administrative order means they don't need to wait until Monday. They can start today. The administrative order is in their inbox, and the team can begin as soon as they are ready. When Alex asks why there wasn't clear enough evidence for a warrant, Greta tells her EPA Regional Council considers Max as the vital piece of evidence insufficient. Alex is bewildered by this fact. Her track record with Max has been stellar in every outing. How can that not count for something? Greta assures her that this is down to one person's opinion. Ultimately, the administrative order will work the same as a warrant. Greta refers Alex to the section of the H2OQ manual that will help her with the administrative order. It is time to put their big plan into action, and the team is back at the Hot Springs Peak Mine by 9 a.m. It takes them several minutes to find anyone, but eventually they are standing face-to-face with Harlan Jones again. This time, Alex is ready with EPA lingo. She begins her prepared speech. EPA may exercise its entry authority if there is a reasonable basis to believe that there may be a release or threat of a release of a hazardous substance or pollutant or contaminant under Circular Superfund Section 104, Subsection E, Paragraph 1. In due order, EPA has issued an administrative order which gives the mine owner a period of four days in which he can confer with an EPA officer, but must cease all mining operations in the meantime. In addition, a penalty not to exceed $25,000 per day may be assessed by the court for failure to comply with an EPA order or the provisions of subsection E. Harlan purses his lips while he reviews options in his head. Alex can see EPA caught him between a rock and a hard place. Consequently, he begrudgingly gives permission, and they can finally put the big plan into action. The actions that follow are along with the order of a finely tuned machine. Each team member knows what is to be done and in what order. Ting Yu uses fast to pinpoint groundwater flow. Mateo continues where he left off in the drone grid search, adding to the collected images from yesterday. And Alex and Max follow his sniff find. They work well as a team. If we were viewing this story on the silver screen, this would be the Hollywood movie montage showing the team's action conducting the investigation. 
First, we would see Alex following Max as she glances up at the drone flying overhead. Then, a cut from the drone to Mateo looking up at the same drone position, but from a different angle. Finally, Ting Yu would be hunched over her computer, focused entirely on aquifer water flow. But, unfortunately, real life isn't as exciting. It is dirty, frustrating, and exhausting. After hours and hours of investigation, they have found nothing. And the sniff Max found yesterday resulted in finding an old shed with cyanide rat poison. Nothing more. The team meets back at Moby to discuss the lack of results. Mateo hopes further investigation of the drone images will yield something, but Tingyu points out the data says they are in the wrong place. According to the fast aquifer groundwater flow data, they are too far east. Any contaminant here would flow south towards the river, bypassing the Winnemucca farm completely. So the contamination they are looking for must be further northwest. Alex is about to find Harlan and tell him they are wrapping up for today when notifications start chiming on all of their devices. Drip notifications are going off all over the area. What on earth is going on? Alex's phone begins ringing, and she answers to hear Greta's voice asking, Are you seeing what we're seeing? We are receiving the drip notifications now, but we are still on site at the Hot Springs Peak Mine. Ting Yu is plugging the new alerts into fast as we speak, Alex says, nodding her head at Ting Yu with eyes wide open. Immediately getting the hint, Tingyu starts adding the new alerts. Greta points out that this is no longer a small investigation. Contact and coordination with locals and authorities will be paramount in the next few days. Alex must admit that she hasn't initiated contact yet, but she will at the earliest opportunity. Then, ending the call with Greta, she turns to the team and tells them they need to get to Winnemucca City Hall ASAP. Loading everything back onto Moby takes some time, but they aren't far from town, so the drive doesn't take long. Upon arrival, Mateo, driving Moby as usual, calls to them in the back, Hey guys, you're going to want to see this. There are nearly 100 people in front of the City Hall building. The people are from all walks, by the looks of their clothes and all are looking to the mayor for answers to what is happening with the water quality warnings. Then, as if it isn't bad enough, a news crew van pulls past Moby. The problem of no communication with locals and authorities that Alex has been ignoring can only cause a media explosion of vast proportions. As Alex slumps down at the dinette table, the frustration and fear are overwhelming. What will she do? Where to even begin? Does the team blame or support her? Alex is suddenly aware that her hands are going numb. Raising them to look at them as if they are no longer hers, she realizes they are trembling. Her heart is pounding inside her head and there isn't enough air to fill her lungs. Then, slowly, her eyesight gets fuzzy from the edges until everything is a blur. She faints. I hate to leave Alex, our hero, at this point, 
No one should ever be alone when they experience anxiety and fear leading to a panic attack. Trust that Tingyu and Mateo will help her through this. I have no doubt they are on her side, even if she may have doubts. There is also Max. Animals often have a unique sense when it comes to their trusted owners. Today's episode features the following outstanding musical themes. The 40 Day Heroes Journey theme music is Longing for Home by Christopher Mo Ditlifson, and the theme music for episode 1D is Desert Highway by Ariel Verse. All music and sound effects are courtesy of EpidemicSound.com, the market-leading platform for restriction-free music heard around the globe.